0: Welcome back to the PK Podcast, where that PK stands for Preacher's Kid, not Perfect Kid. And this episode is brought to you by that one family that shows up for the fifth Sunday dinner with only a plate of dinner rolls and a diet caffeine-free generic soda they bought from the Dollar Tree. And then they turn around and take seven plates of leftovers home. I'm here to say that hell is hot for those people. You might can sandbag on God's family, but you cannot sandbag on Jesus Hey, today we've got a great episode for you. We've got our friend Carson McKinney, and we're gonna be talking about what we've dubbed Sour Patch Kid Ministry, where it seems really sweet until you figure out that it can be pretty sour. And you're gonna hear a couple great new segments of the show, Dear Younger Me, and sermon illustrations today, and we can't wait to dive into this episode. You're gonna love it. So in the words of Eli Blevins, let's go. I wanna introduce an incredible guest that we've got. His name's Carson McKinney and an incredible preacher's kid with an incredible story that I'm not going to try to tell before he gets to tell it. But we connected through Instagram and just shout out to all of our friends on Instagram that are connecting with the account there and enjoying the memes. Send us in your favorite PK meme. We don't have the corner on the market there. We, we're finding new hilarious stuff every single day. And so um, Carson McKinney, speaking of memes, he's been the face of so many things. He was the face of, you know, camp promos and the face of college brochures and the face of youth departments. And really, he's just the face of ministry, if we're being honest. And we're all trying to have a face that looks like his. So without any further ado, what's up, Carson? How you doing? What's up, man?
1: That was one heck of an intro. If you're listening to this, don't look me up because then you'll be super disappointed in my face. But uh, heck yeah, man! Thanks for having me on here, man.
0: Hey, where are you? Where are you at? Uh, you're based in Oklahoma, right?
1: Yeah, so I'm in Stratford, Oklahoma. It's in past the creek and through the sticks and back in the middle of nowhere, man. Amen. So loving it.
0: I think that's where everybody's grandma's house is back Literally, in. Literally, yes. That's that's exciting. So. Hey, we want to dive in. We got to chat before the recording today, and you've got an incredible PK story. So, like we do every week, we just wanted to open it up and let you share some of your life as a PK with the PKs that are that are listening to to you right now. Floor's yours, man.
1: Yeah, heck yeah, thanks, man. Um, so, man, I grew up. I make the joke that I was born on Thursday and in church on Sunday. Um, you know, I'm the second oldest of four, so came from a big family, also. Um, my dad and mom were youth pastors in Chickasha, Oklahoma, for quite a while. Grew up there for a little bit. Um, Can you spell Chickasha from,
0: for us, just for all the curious ones? Chickasha,
1: C H I C H K A S H A.
0: I'm not going to remember that, but I appreciate the effort that you gave it. I've always heard that youth pastor kids were the worst. Any validity to that theory?
1: I mean, I wouldn't say they're the worst. Probably out of the friend group between senior pastor kid, associate pastor kid, and youth pastor kid. They're the ones who are a little more crazy, partially because they don't get away with as much. Because you're like, oh, it's just the pastor's kid. But then it's like, oh, man, it's the youth pastor's kid. It's like, get him Mm. out of here. He doesn't need to be (laughs) in the green room right now. It's like he smells funny. Like get him (laughs) out. You know, like that's where it's at. You feel me?
2: Definitely.
0: Yeah.
1: I I hear you. It's like the youth pastors
0: kid plus his dad. I mean, if he can't raise his own kids, I certainly don't want him teaching mine.
1: So it's like a
0: whole, it's a whole other standard, you know? It is.
1: Yeah, for sure, man.
0: It's next level. So anyway, youth pastors up there in Chickasha,
1: yeah, man. And then uh, my dad felt like we were called to move to Red Bluff, California. Um, I think he went out there like once with my mom. We had no family, no friends. We just all moved up. It was me and uh, my two sisters. My little brother wasn't born yet. He was born out, in Ch- born out in California. We joked that we picked him up on the side of a highway. Um, but man, moved out there. My dad ran. My parents ran a phenomenal um, student ministry, man. Started with 80 kids in less than a year blew it up to around 700 um we're out there for like three or four years i would equate a lot of who i am to that like like growing up out there like those 700 kids were nuts you had everything from skaters to bikers to lesbian clubs to like chicks who had their tongue split in half and can move it like a snake and i was like eight or seven and i was like i was like what the freak is going on but like at that age getting to see my parents like care for people no matter who they were like like i could tell at that age like these people aren't like me. Not like they didn't look like me. I'm like they just weren't they don't have a home life like me. I'm like they don't have anyone who cares for it for them like I do. But like seeing that aspect of like my parents not caring who they were was really cool. Like no matter who they were caring for him. um then I'll hit on it in a second, but like we moved away from there. Um definitely by the end of someone else's someone else's free will ended our season there, you know, man. But uh Moved away from there. Came back to Stratford for a little bit. And then uh, my dad helped plant a church in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, loved it out there. Got a phone call. And still a YPK at this point. Like, not the coolest thing in the world, like we talked about earlier. But um, my dad got a phone call. I was like, yo, you want to be the senior pastor? They probably didn't say yo. It was some bishop. He probably said, the Lord has said. Mm. And it was like, ask my dad if you want to be the pastor of this church down here. And, like, didn't really tell him how many people there were. And I was like, so how many people are there? And Because this was the church, like, my dad got saved in, that they my dad and mom got married in back in Stratford, Oklahoma. And my dad's like, so how many people was running? And the guy's like, oh, like, none. He's like, but they have this really cool gym. And my dad was like, wait, what? Let's and they're go. like, yeah. yeah, they're like, this is actually, they're like, you're the last phone call we could make. My dad wasn't even, like, in the denomination, didn't even – have like his like minister's license at this point and they're like they are the last phone call we had like if you don't take it doors are gonna shut so my dad moved us back to small town america um definitely like culture shock for a little bit i mean like i was middle school age Um, my older sister was a little older like about to be in high school like i was like me and my best friend bobby cothran shout out to the boy but um we were like the first people ever to wear skinny jeans in stratford Like we rocked it. We got made fun of like, we didn't care. Cause I was the new pastor's kid in town. So like, I didn't really care what anyone said about me, you know, but man, growing up as a PK for me, like I didn't have like this terrible experience. I didn't have this time where I was like, Oh man, this just sucks. You know, but cause my parents like shielded me from it. Like I didn't know what really happened in ministry until I went to Bible college. Like why we left California was like, so like bizarre to me and i found out two years ago and i'm only 22 so i found out when i was 20 why we left like i used to think people left the church because they like moved away Mm -hmm. and i went to college and i was like oh this is what church is like i was like freak and i called my dad i was like dude do you know people leave the church for reasons like this and he's like happens all the time and like (laughs) we're in the car and i was like is that why they left and he's like yep i'm like what the heck (laughs) it's like a puzzle yeah so i like grew up where i was like bro ministry is awesome like not a lot of bad things and like i said it earlier but like ministry is one of the hardest things because like you're supposed to be like on the verge of culture leading culture dressing cool wearing the cool stuff speaking on the cool thing but then also like have no money at the same time Hmm. like my grandma man i was my fourth generation pastor's kid and like anytime you bring up her pk life she'll just cry and it's like super sad but then like it's just so much different than like the way i was and she's like their goal was to keep you broke and she i was like luckily i didn't grow up back then where like the congregation literally would raise their hand and be like we're gonna keep this pastor or not keep this pastor and like she she said that was the hardest thing It's when not enough hands were raised she's like we were moving again and like growing up up and seeing that like aspect like I didn't see any of that so then when I went to Bible college I was like oh dang bro I'm like ministry is not the coolest thing in the world right now and it's just crazy you know
0: what do you think are the the pros and cons to the way that your parents dealt with that Um, because there are some who are who listen to the podcast and they're they're like man I know everything um, whether my parents tell me or I listen in on their conversations after they think I'm asleep. Um, and then who have the privilege of like, I would say it's a privilege. I don't know who are like, yeah, I had no clue that people actually sucked. I thought everyone just loved Jesus and you know, they got a new job and that's why they had to go. What pros, pros and cons to that now that you're older,
1: man, I think a lot of it was, is like, it did keep some of my friendships intact. I'm a, I take my family like pretty serious, you know, like I'm a, I was the oldest brother. So I'm like, I was supposed to protect my family. And like, so I thought, you know, like I'm not the biggest dude in the world. Let's put it that way. But, and like, I think for me, like I had some friends, they would come to church with their parents and they would just leave. And like, I never knew why, but like, it kept that friendship, friendship intact for me though. Where I wasn't like, Oh bro, your family sucks. You said this about my parents and left the church, you know what I'm saying? But like, also it didn't set me up for like the standard, I think, of like some pastor kids, bro, like they're set to like, they're up, like the bar is so high to like be perfect. So like, I didn't like, I saw a church as perfect, but I didn't see people as perfect. If that makes sense? Right. So, like, my parents Didn't have a lot of rules for me, which I would say was a big pro, but like, and I would say a con of it was like, it was a pretty big, like shock for me when I went to went on my own and saw all the way church really was, you know, like then looking back, I'm like, dang, people really treated my parents like that. And like, people really just like, didn't do things like correctly. Does that makes sense.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you said you've
1: been, you're what, like a fourth generation pastor now. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, so I know this got asked to me a lot growing up, but how many times did it get asked to you, are you going to be a pastor or are you going to be a ministry? Did that get asked to you? as much or as frequent as it did for me.
1: Bro, like every Sunday. And like, for me, mm-hmm. like, I like low-key, like ran from it for a little bit. Like, I felt the call for ministry, but I was like, anytime someone asked I'd be like, I don't know. I was like, maybe. Right. I'm like, we'll see what God does. But like, I just, my biggest fear with that answer was like, my dad was a phenomenal youth pastor and like is a great pastor, was not being able to equate to what he did and it's like, that's why, like, I never actually, I think I never gave anyone an answer. It's because they'd be like, your dad was this great youth pastor. Your dad is this great pastor. And I'm like, well, what if I'm not? I was <laughs> like, like, what if I can't speak like my dad? Sure. Or like, what if I don't look as cool with spiky hair as my dad? You know what I'm saying? Right. So I think the big thing for me is like, I hated that question. I also hated when people are like, I want my kid to grow up just like you. I'm like, no, you don't. I'm like, you don't know me. It's like, you know what I'm saying? It's a a big compliment, though.
2: Oh, it is. I I mean, for me, it got, like, those kind of questions got asked to me, and I know it got asked to John probably three times as much as it did for me, but I, it's just, it's funny how people think, oh, you're a pastor's kid, so, all right, here you go, like, you're just going to be a pastor now. So, you know, they don't
0: do that, like, if your,
2: you know, parents were, like, a banker, they would be like, oh, so you're going to be a banker now, aren't you?
0: Like, that doesn't happen. It's just kind of you yeah. think it's in the blood. What they don't know is that it's in the blood of Jesus. Amen.
2: Wow, that's um, wow.
1: This, that's, I had to that throw that two little
2: thumbs up. up for that one. There,
1: <laughs> you're taking notes. Definitely write that down. All
2: right,
0: I, I want to throw up a picture on the YouTube channel of Pastor McKinney versus Carson McKinney just to see who does the spiky hair better, um, and when maybe you him,
1: you're gonna be like, oh
0: dang, <laughs> it's Pastor McKinney. <laughs> people will be voting on that on Instagram. I just want you to know, but to, uh, if it makes you feel any better because I I'm a fourth generation preacher's kid as well. So I, I so idolized my family that I was striving to not just be like them, but to be them. And so my grandfather had this slicked back hair, right? Like he used one of those combs that was in the shape of a circle that goes into your whole hand, you know, and he do the thing. Oh yeah. So let me just tell you that right around seventh grade, I was like, it's time <laughs> for me to have I, I at this point I'm in charge of the music in our church. And I'm like, you know what? I need the hair. So I do this I do the the slick back hair and I kept that until a really unfortunate haircut where it got cut too short and it wouldn't slick back. It just stuck up, but not in a cool spiky way. Not like in a Backstreet Boys spiky way, in a Sonic the Hedgehog spiky way. Dang. And tough, bro. <laughs> I was just like, I, I touched it and I was like, this is what cool feels like. This is my thing. This is, is a game changer. This is who I am. Um, <laughs> see, see, the
2: thing is for me is that like, when Amanda looks back on my old pictures, she goes, oof. I'm glad to know you then. Hopefully that you're not in that phase where she is going. Oof! I'm glad to not know you then. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Like the Carson, keep rocking
1: it. Yeah. It's needed.
2: We need good hair,
1: dude. So when I was a junior in high school, I had this no joke. My mohawk was like this tall. Then half of it was bleached blonde. Then the other half was my hair color. And so, like, I got married like three months ago. Well, turns out me and my wife were at the same track meet when we were in high school. And like, I was like, thank God I didn't try to hit on you back then. Cause you've been like, who the freak is this kid with this mohawk? And I was like, I never would have got you. (laughs) I was like, see, Hey, if you're a young pastor's kid out there
2: listening in the middle school, high school, uh, age demographic, um, Please take style notes from us and try to look presentable. That way one day you will get a husband and or wife and you won't have to do what we just did and said, thank God that we didn't know you back then. Yeah. So there the you Make choice go. to be cool now. And um, yeah. deodorant is a great thing. Boys, wear deodorant And because that's
1: important. Yeah. Plurge. And maybe get like a nice one, well, not ax like it's okay. But like, you know, like ball out for the ball out for the ladies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah,
0: that's true. Express has a $10 cologne that smells 10 times as good as that Axe body spray that someone told you. Someone told you a lie and said you should spray yourself with that. Dude, cut that
1: out. Yeah, that's good. I
0: love it. You you hit on something that hit really close to home for me, though. Um, As far as this whole hair thing, like the denomination that I grew up in was very conservative. And I was not shielded from what was happening. And so my, my dad, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, all very opinionated, bold in their opinions, men. And so when guys that I went to school with started having hairstyles that weren't a comb over, you know, you get older and your mom stops doing your hair. So you start to, you know, do cool stuff that was openly made fun of, like, not just in our house, but also from the pulpit of our church. Like oh, wow. it was like equating this with cause like the, wow. you know, in sync is a big deal. And so is like, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, Jesus freak and whatever. And we thought all, all those guys were going to hell, you know, all of them, they're oh, all yeah. going to hell. They look like the world. They sound like the world. They must be going to the same place as the world, you know? So I was like outwardly a rule follower. And when I finally had this light bulb moment that I was like, I do not have to look like a 60-year-old man. I can look like a 16-year-old. Um, yeah. For me, it was multiple things at play because it wasn't just switching my hairstyle and being unrecognizable at school. Now it was because everybody knew me as this old kid. <laughs> yeah, but like-
1: And whole... walking is, through the halls. Dude, I can picture it now.
0: Who is this tiny old man? Um, but it was also like a rebelling against these- impossible to keep rules and so there was some tension in my house when my hairstyle changed and that's just a small thing but you were talking about how your parents didn't set a bunch of rules for you and that affected you
1: in kind of a good way no yeah for sure so like that was the thing like if you were like and even just on the hair thing like going back. If you look at my hair, bro, like I had that, like Justin Bieber bang thing. And, like my parents, people are like, why would you let your kid have a haircut like that and bleach their hair? But I was like, he's a good kid. And I was like, he's like, if he got bad grades and did things, it'd be different. But it's like, my parents never really told me like, no, like I had a pastor's kid friend, bro. Like he was off his, no offense to any pastor kids who are off their rocker. You know what I'm saying? But like, man, his parents had like heck of rules for him. And I'd be like, you going to the party tonight? And they'd be like, no. And my parents, I'd be like, hey, can I go to this party? And they'd be like, is there going to be drinking there? I was like, maybe. Like, is there going to be like vaping? Because that's when like vaping just started when I was in high school. And I was like, maybe. And they're like, all right, we trust you. Don't do anything that we wouldn't want you to do. And I was like, oh, freak. And I was like, tell me the rules so I can break them. But then like they didn't really tell me anything. And, like, I would go out with my friends and like hang out with them. And like they might be drinking, but I like, I never did because I was so afraid of like disappointing. Like I would be rather, I would rather have been grounded for like months. than my, my dad look me in the eye and be like, I'm disappointed in you. You know what I'm saying? And like keeping it up that way was like way, was almost harder than actually having rules, if that makes sense. But it was like so much more fun. Cause like I didn't have that stereotype of like rules, rules, rules. Like one of my pastor's kid friends, like when he got in trouble, he had to read the Bible. I'm like, I read the Bible for fun. You read it for punishment. Oh, and I was like, I was like, that's terrible, bro. And I was like, and like, but my parents never said that because they didn't want us to like run away from ministry. You know, like, like I brought it up, like my grandma, like, she had seven siblings. None of them ended up in ministry because they all had this really bad experience. So they ran away. Or like me and my siblings, like, I'm a student pastor at my dad's church now. My sister is like part-time kids pastor and like my younger siblings are still in high school. Well, like they don't want to be in ministry, but they want to be in things that help people. And a lot of it is because like, they didn't sit this up for us where it's like, oh, this sucks.
0: You know? I'm curious how your relationship with the Lord played into that, that dynamic. Cause there's the whole, I don't want to disappoint my parents thing, but what was that also like as far as your personal walk with
1: Christ? So, I'm like, man, I'm hundred percent honest with this. Like, I don't think I really felt like a real, like I had my relationship with Jesus, but I really feel like I lived my relationship out with Jesus through my parents. Does that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. my parents had such a great relationship with Jesus. So like, I thought I did. Does that make sense? So like my relationship with Jesus was like found in my parents because like what they did. So like, I didn't think I really like grew my real relationship with Jesus until I left um, and like left away from them for a little bit. And like, saw, so I was like, oh man, I was like, I know a lot about the Bible, but I'm like, I don't know Jesus. Like really like I've been saved like a bajillion times, like being that first kid at youth group who asked to walk down. So everyone else will follow, you know what I'm saying? Like things like that, but like really growing my real relationship wasn't until like I went to college. Like I knew like I wanted to be like in ministry, like to an extent, but like, Nothing that I really like was like, oh, let's do this right now. Like, I didn't want to do ministry in high school. I didn't want to do ministry. Like, I didn't. Like, one kid was like, bro, lead a Bible study. You're the pastor's kid. And I was like, bro, you do it. I'm like, it's cooler for you than it is for me. And, like, I would talk people into doing things, like, for God, like, instead of me having to do them. Does that make sense? So, like, I had a relationship with Jesus, but it wasn't like that real, real relationship.
2: For sure. But now, on the other side of that, though, you here you are. You're working in youth ministry, and yeah. you're able to then display that to other people who were at your age that time and say, like, this is why reading the Bible is important on your own. Not just because my parents made me do it, but because this is how my life has been so much better because of it. When I have been hard times, I've been able to fall back on the Bible. So it plays a really huge role probably in your life now.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, man, I talk about it almost every Wednesday. I was like, I wish I had the opportunity some of these students did. Like, I wish I decided to, like, lead a Bible study or I wish I decided to, like, like, see my friends. Like, like my biggest fear now, like, after graduating is, like, one of my friends dying from high school. And I was like, bro, I should have brought them to church. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I was like, I, I was in their life. I was in their friend group, but I'd never, like, I was a good kid. But, like, that doesn't mean I talked about Jesus, you know?
2: mm Yeah, for sure.
1: I mean, and exactly
2: like you were saying, like now you're able to tell them this is why it is so, so important. And for anyone listening out there, like, you know, it's okay to not, you know, maybe to not always want to read the Bible or always want to listen to worship music. But now's a great time to start developing those habits when you are um, the age that you are, no matter if you're 100 or if you're 10 years old, like it doesn't matter, like developing that habit of reading the Bible and being intentional about it will set you up for life for sure.
0: We're doing this segment called Dear Younger Me. And it's because every single PK has got stories and experiences that they wish they could go back to teenage them, maybe even 13 year old them and say, get this through your head. I promise it will make well, in the words of one famous PK, it'll make your life better and it'll make you better at life. <laughs> so w- what would what would you go back, if you could go back in time and say to 13-year-old Carson,
1: what would you share? Don't listen to everybody else. Like you have your own opinion, you have your own voice. Um, 13-year-old, 13-year-old Carson did what he wanted to do, but it took him a long time to figure that out. And like where you're at right now is the big time and don't squander it. Like, like if you're called, like, I wish I would have been. And like, I would tell myself, like, yeah, I loved high school. I loved where I was at, but like, bro, go kill it in high school. Like go kill it in middle school. Like, because like whatever you're doing in the moment is the big time. Like, it's not just this insignificant moment in your life. And like, you could change people's lives. You could change everything just as a 13 year old. So like, and if you live your whole life, like it's the big time. Like, oh, bro, this is what I'm doing. Like, I made it. Like, you'll set a tone for your future, you know? I
2: love uh, Carson hearing about uh, this is big time and where you are at. But sometimes... Um, You know, things happen in church when your dad's the pastor, and sometimes you don't always feel like the big time is where you are right there, because sometimes there are some fails and some funny things that happen, sometimes even at your own expense. And maybe do you have a funny story or something to share with us about how maybe that
1: happened to you? Yeah, for sure. So like I said, like I have, there's four of us siblings. Like I got two sisters two and a brother, and like now I have a brother-in-law and my wife. Like, so they're definitely added onto the board. So when we were younger, it's an imaginary board now that we're older. But we used to keep literally a board in my dad's office and would tally how many points you get for, like, how embarrassing the story was that he told about us on Sunday. And, like, my story reigns true from all eternity. My dad did my back you, Lord, at high school. Like, all my friends, my graduation. And he was like, I'm going to tell a story about Carson. And he's like, it makes no sense to anything I'm going to talk about. I was like, what the freak? And he says it like all the time. Anywhere we go, he's like, this is my son, Carson. He peed in a Walmart sack when he was a kid. I was like five or <laughs> He like walked by my room and he's like, heard me peeing in a Walmart sack. And he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I've never peed in a Walmart sack before. And he was like, that was a good answer and just walked mm-hmm. away. And I was like, and he'll just tell that story. And so like, I reign true with the tally King. I think I have the most points. I've done the most weird stuff. So like we've always kept tally.
0: What's the scale? Is it like one to 10? How many points can you get?
1: So like you get up to like six points, one point for just being mentioned. We also have like certain stories like that happened. Like my little brother, so he's like a sophomore in high school, but he just got caught brushing the dog's teeth the other day. So like, (laughs) I don't know what he was doing. He was like, I was brushing my teeth and then I saw the dog and I was like, oh, I'm going to brush a dog's teeth. And I'm like, you're a sophomore in high school. You shouldn't be brushing dog's teeth. No, it sounds exactly like a sophomore
2: in high school thing to do.
1: Oh, no, for sure. <laughs> but we were like, and then he told us the story at dinner, and we all looked around. And we're like, oh, that's four points. Like, if we hear about the story first before my dad does and tells us, like, we'll be like, if dad tells that story, you'll get four points. And like things like that. More embarrassing, the better. I think I reign true with peeing Walmart sacks and doing dumb stuff. But uh, that's our best way to keep tally of it.
2: He's making a run for your
1: money, though. Oh, definitely, Axel. <laughs> The kid That's is, awesome. He is goofy. He's like six three and the lankiest goofy kid you'll ever see in your life. And like out of nowhere, he's a, like the baby, so he gets whatever he wants. But then like, is also more quiet because he heard the rest of us yell at each other our whole life. <laughs> but then out of nowhere, he'll just say something, and all of us sudden like, "What the freak? Like, why did you just say that?" And he's like, "I don't know. I'll just walk away." I'm like, "What a leg. So he's definitely he's on the come up of taking my points. I, For sure, I've got to hear
0: like what is, what's a top ranking six point story? I don't even care which PK in your family it belongs to. I got to hear a, <laughs> I got to hear a six point sermon illustration.
1: <laughs> six point sermon illustration. Well, definitely. So my sisters are also pretty wild. So my older sister, this one I would give five points, maybe six. Um, my older sister, we were driving through Florida. And, like, she's not even a blonde. She's, like, a brunette. i like, not a disset blonde. You know what I'm saying? But and there's this homeless guy on the side of the road. And he's holding a sign that says homeless vet. And we're all sitting there. Like, you know, like, you're trying not to make eye contact with those people. And, like, she's, like, I would not take my dog to him. I'm, like, what? She's, like, I would not take my dog to that veterinarian. And I'm, like, what the freak are you talking about? She's, like, that guy is a homeless veterinarian. I'm like, no. I'm like, he's a homeless veteran. And it was terrible. And my other <laughs> sister, she uh, got her wisdom teeth out. And I don't know. She thought always
2: good stories. <laughs> she,
1: she thought she was in the club, like with Beyonce. And like, <laughs> we have my dad played a video on Sunday of her, like, literally jamming out, like, head bopping, singing this song. And my dad pauses it. And she literally goes, Why did the DJ cut the track? And I'm like, <laughs> If it's at our worst, that's when it's the best.
0: Can can we get a copy of this video?
1: Oh, for sure! I'll hit you up with it.
0: Okay, we'll put it yeah. on. Put it on the Instagram and tag her. We need this. We need this for the episode so bad.
1: Yes. Yeah. I'll get you Beyonce Harley. I be-
0: never knew that we needed something so bad until you said that,
2: yeah, <laughs> John. True. I think we could. I think we should start um, instituting a six point
0: scale for our podcast between me and you whenever we do something that is a little <laughs> out there. I. I love it. And I also love the spirituality of the scale that it doesn't go to seven because that's like God's number. It's the number oh, yeah. of perfection. So it has to stop at the number of man. Like you can only get one to six. Hey,
1: um, only a pastor's kid would take it there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it, better not be, it better not be triple six. <laughs> yeah, dude. None of, the, none of that for sure.
0: Oh my goodness. That's, that's amazing. Okay. So I, I, I loved everything about this episode. I loved our conversation today, Carson. I, um, I think I want to title this episode, the sour patch kid ministry episode. Like you got to see the, the sweet side of ministry first. And then the sour, it's like reverse sour patch kid, but it's, sure. it's like that for so many, but um, I definitely will be putting up a scale um, or a chart in my house. Cause I'm married to a PK as well. Yeah. And So when we get to attend her dad's church, he is all the time telling stories that it would just make my day to be able to put a score on there. I think that'd be amazing.
1: Do it, man. That's the way to do
0: it. That's awesome. All right. Thanks, bro. Thanks for being on the podcast.
1: Man, thank y'all for having me. It was awesome.
0: Hey, thanks as always for listening to the PK Podcast. And we want to remind you that we are proudly a part of the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast Network. And you can find us on Instagram at those preachers kids on Twitter at that PK podcast. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. So if you need to hit somebody up to vent, to cuss, to laugh or to cry, you can find us anywhere that you look. We love you. You're our family. And don't forget to rate the podcast and leave a review. That helps us oh so much. We love you.